I love therapy, and in fact, I've been going to therapy since I was around six years old. Though I talk about therapy a lot and may interview some therapists on the show on occasion, nothing that is said in this podcast should be considered a replacement for therapy. If you are struggling, I urge you to please seek guidance from a therapist because you are absolutely worth it. everyone, this is Rachel and you are listening to Wine, Dine, and 69, a podcast about dating, relationships, sex, and self-love. As always, I hope you are all doing wonderfully, especially now that the weather is getting warmer and uh, rules are starting to be lifted. It's starting to feel like things are kind of starting to get back to some kind of normal, which is bizarre and a little scary if I'm being honest. So uh, remember to be gentle with yourself during this time and remember that there are some good habits that we learned in quarantine and you don't need to rush right back out into over socializing yourself take things slow and uh, honor your need to rest honor those ebbs and flows so that's my little piece of advice that really i am saying to remind myself but hopefully other people find some value in it as well Uh, We have a great episode today. It's one I actually recorded a while back, uh, but uh, this seems like a really good time to air it. I'm going to talk to my guest today, Alex, um, about mastering your story. We get into a lot of cool uh, topics regarding sex and bringing sexual energy into other areas of your life. Um, Really, really cool. Before we get into that, though, I kind of wanted to touch on... um, kind of I guess a call out in some ways uh you may have heard in previous episodes you'll hear in this one there are a lot of differing opinions on tantra um and I kind of want to start like taking a poll of you know what people think tantra is um you know and do some reading on on what it is it's not a practice that I personally have engaged in um and I don't know much about it at all to be quite honest so um I'm gonna be doing a little bit of a dive to do some learning to learn more about some of the controversy surrounding it um and you know just learn what it's about because it's come up a lot uh in multiple different interviews that I have done with different types of people. So I feel like I should know more about it. Um, Whatever, you know, it is and whatever people perceive it to be, uh, I don't know. So, hey, if you have any resources that you want to shoot my way, just um, learning tools for me, I would love to have them. Please, please send them to me and I'll uh, try to kind of cover what I've learned in a future episode, um, one of these intros to a future episode. So kind of wanted to talk about sexual energy, which is something that I'm going to get into in my conversation with Alex. And it's this idea of taking this energy that you have when you're in this place of arousal and moving it into these other places of your life. Alex says something along the lines of like, your sexual center and your emotional center they're all from the same place it's all the same energy which i thought was really fascinating um and i i get it that makes total sense to me so uh 
listen, listen to that. Uh, another really interesting thing that she mentioned that I have been trying to do and that I um, challenge everyone to do is just to bring more awareness to the genitals. Um, I mean, breathing. She, she uses the term breathing into your genitals. I just find that when I'm walking around, and this is really, you know, kind of bizarre for, you know, someone who <laughs> has a podcast about sex to admit this, um, but I just find that I'm like just not aware of my genitals a lot of the time. I, I am such a anxious person who's always running around from thing to thing, always trying to get things done, and I just kind of forget about it uh, unless attention is drawn to it. And so um, I would challenge everyone to just kind of bring your center to it, bring your attention to it, um, breathe and focus on it. I spend so much of my life detached. And I think that's like one of my biggest takeaways from, from this conversation with Alex is just to try to, um, bring a little bit more connectedness from, to my body and my brain, my emotions, my heart. Yeah, that's actually all I have today. Um, kind of wanted to do a call out. Give me some of your resources uh, regarding tantric sex. And uh, that's just my little challenge to myself and to anybody who, again, might find value in it. So uh, as always, please rate, review, subscribe. Uh, and you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel. There's so many awesome conversations that are coming your way. I am so excited. And you know what? For the summer, I'm going to be running a bonus episode every month. I just have so many incredible conversations that I want to share and I don't want to have to wait to share them. Um, I have a huge backlog of conversations and I just, I want them out there. I, I want to share them with the world. So summer special coming your way, uh, bonus episode, uh, three episodes a month instead of the usual two. So uh, very exciting things. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. And I will talk to you next week for our next bonus. Enjoy my conversation with Alex. Ah! Ah! What is it, honey? It's that darn ghost again. He just won't leave us alone. I guess we're just going to have to move. No, wait. Don't worry. We're not moving. He is. Who are you going to call? Blockbusters. Actually, we know nothing about catching ghosts other than what we saw in that old cartoon. But if you want a podcast where we talk about film, TV, random tangents that leave you wondering what the hell was that all about, and the occasional nugget of wisdom, then we're the ones for you. And if you act now, you can listen to our entire back catalogue for free! Did you say free? Yes, I did. So go now to your nearest podcatching device, shake off the ectoplasm, and download us today. Warning, listening to blockbusters can lead to stomach cramps from laughing, headaches from attempting to remember what tangent they went on this time, and a worn-out section of your device's screen slash keyboard as you smash the replay button over and over until the next episode arrives. If your blockbusters episode lasts longer than four hours, tell your doctor so he can listen as well. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I am here with my guest today, Alex. Alex, how are you doing? I'm really good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well, actually. And I'm so excited to talk to you today. We touched base online and what you cover, what you do uh, is fascinating to me. So I was trying to come up with questions to ask you uh, yesterday and was just like, I just feel, feel like I'm going to have so many on a whim that we're just going to go for it. <laughs> 
good. Can't wait. <laughs> well, with that, then let's start off with why don't you just tell me a little bit about yourself, who you are, and how you got into this work. I come from a filmmaking background, have nothing to do with what I'm doing right now. And I worked in image making for like 10 years. There were like a two year period in between when I, when I did photography on a cruise ship. But uh, in, in some aspect, I was working in film for about 10 years, mostly commercials, some indies, some studio projects. And I remember I was standing on, at a commercial for like the 16th hour of the day. And I just looked around and I saw this complete soulless work mode on everybody's face that we just kind of have to get through the day. And I think that was the start of me realizing that I'm really, a friend of mine used the phrase spiritually starving. And it had never really occurred to me before that I thought that I'm a spiritual person, but I never really experienced anything deeply spiritual I, I wasn't practicing I didn't have a routine none of, none of that and it, it was just not part of my life and I started asking the deeper questions it's like I'm producing stuff that is going to be reshot in three months because a new product a new model is going to come out and what's the point what's the long-term purpose meaning and then I started looking for my own spiritual answers. And um, based on the stuff that I found, I mean, I was so new to mainstream spirituality that at first it was just like, wow, everything is amazing here. But then I realized very soon that still somehow the body and sexuality is looked upon in, in two ways. One is Tantra, which... Um, mm-hmm categorically against (laughs) the the other way is like still this you just sit in stillness and silence and you forget that your body exists and this whole body is just a subconscious pain body and you have to surpass it and your mind can do whatever it wants to the body and it's like I just felt like that I've been personally such a an innocently sexual being from a very young age that I haven't found any niche that would merge deep spirituality, deep sexuality. And then I'm just, because I'm a science nerd, I'm super excited about the scientific part. So I kind of carved out my niche for myself. And what I'm doing right now is like um, pretty much a soft core version of it because I realized that pretty soon after like question two, three, when people come to me with sexual issues, I start asking questions and very, very quickly we're down to emotional issues. So by now I'm just calling myself an intimacy. I'm not even a coach. I'm, I'm calling myself a catalyst. It's just like a fancy name for what I'm doing because I just, I'm not a coach. I'm not one of those ABC strategy persons. Sure, um, sure. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, right now I'm, I'm very much in between sexuality and emotional work. And at some point, I want to completely migrate the whole thing more towards filmmaking. So the same way as I'm finding what interests me, the whole thing, what I'm doing evolves with it. That's awesome. And, you know, it's funny. I was checking out your site, um, you know, as I 
do a little bit of internet stalking before I interview yeah. anyone just to get a <laughs> yeah. sense of what they do. And I was, uh, so you do wor- work in film and theater, which is actually my background as well. Uh, okay. I went to school for theater. Um, and it's interesting because I've been considering getting a certification in intimacy coordination, um, which is like the big new thing, which is basically working with people. It's like a stunt coordinator, but it's specifically for intimate scene work, making sure that I, and I was like, oh, is this, this feels really connected to like what you're doing in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I'm like, Right now, I think it's just the climate and the geopolitics that really keeps me from going for the stuff that I really want to do because I kind of feel like I'm stuck on this island, which, you know, I'm part of me is super happy for it that I'm not in London during these times because I've spent the entire sure. lockdown at like a beautiful island, like literally five minutes away from the sea. So I really didn't have a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very happy to be here. But because for things like that, I, I would love to look into something like that. But for that, I feel like I would have to go back either to London or some other right. city where there's actually an industry. Definitely. I And I think that's the thing is uh, you're in this beautiful place. We we said before you were recording that you're in Ibiza, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's incredible. Um, but yeah, you probably have to go back to London or... Uh somewhere with a, a, a more of a nucleus of like filmmaking probably I so. so I I see why that maybe doesn't appeal as much I I would love to do something like that I mean I watched videos of like how people do it and you know I, I used to work as an assistant director which like basically we are one of the departments that show up with nothing on set. Like everybody is bringing their own kids. It, it might be like actors, the only other department who are like, well, this is me. I'm ready for work. <laughs> and the eating department right. is like that. So sometimes you can feel like that, that you have nothing to show for because it's just pure skill. It's just personality that comes through. And Absolutely. Um, I've seen that these intimacy coordinators, like they're using dummies you know, so that everything is, is really consensual and everything is just a mock-up and they have all sorts of pads and all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, hmm, that sounds really interesting. Finally, I would have some gear to show up with. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so that was just a thought when I was going through it. I was like, oh, that kind of feels, uh, you know, tangentially related. Yeah. So let's get into uh, what you do. Uh, first, I want to ask the question, what is sexual transmutation and what is orgasmic ascension and how are the two related and how the fuck do we get there? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So first off, I just recently learned that the, I, I, I'm a total nerd in this kind of stuff. So the etymology of the word sex is coming from the word separation and I'm like, fuck, I have to stop using the word sex. So that's why I'm more and more using terms like orgasmic and pleasure and things like that, intimacy. Because um, sex should be the act of unification. And it's been just ridiculous what's been done to language here and all sorts of business. But anywho, so I'm using the term sexual transmutation kind of as um, as a mock. Because... <laughs> Um, the term itself was coined by um, the Napoleon Hill book. I don't know if, if he was the actual person who just came up with this term, but it was the first public 
version of this term was in um, Napoleon Hill's book. And I think that's like a hundred year old book by now. And um, the book itself is, is okay. There's a chapter on it where he just kind of sort of describes that um, he doesn't specifically say to be celibate or just not to masturbate or not to have sex. But he kind of says it in a way that you use your sexual energy in other areas of your life. So if you Google the term sexual transmutation, now the internet is flooded with no masturbation, guys doing gym and money making and business. And they're like, I'm using my sexual energy to make money. And it's like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> um, that makes me feel sick to my stomach. <laughs> no, it's, it's, that's how, for instance, that's how the army is trained, that they get boys at an age where they are just sexually so overcharged. And they turn that raw sexual energy into anger so that they would become the machines that they are and it's something similar for guys it's like when you are addicted to porn and you don't have a healthy relationship you've never had healthy intimacy closeness it makes a lot of sense to just completely give up on that side of your life and turn it turn that charge into some motivation or inspiration or business or whatever but I am highly, highly against that. It's such a force to the body. I genuinely believe that as a society, we are ridiculously under intimate with each other. And we're putting such nonsensical boundaries around how to touch each other, how to talk to each other and things like the Me Too movement. I mean, part of it was really, really useful because it shows a light on just how immature we are around sexuality but i genuinely think that it didn't do any justice or any service to our innate need and desire to be close to be physically more intimate with each other and our base idea about intimacy is so heavily linked with sexuality because most of the settings when you get so close to a person that you actually feel emotionally vulnerable just somehow it turns into a sexual situation most of the times because we we just want to feel that closeness we want to feel good in each other's company and um, my my idea about sexual transmutation or orgasmic ascension and the word ascension again is used in such a fluff-headed way that um (laughs) I'm, I'm looking at these things from the perspective of um, I've, I've had severe emotional abuse as a child, but I did not understand that it was emotional abuse. But I have zero muscle memory in this lifetime of any kind of physical or sexual abuse. Now, most of the people who are working in the field of sexuality are coming from a background where they have been abused or they had some very negative experience. And the way they heal themselves is now the way they teach other people to heal themselves as well. Yeah, that's my background for sure. Yeah. And and I'm I'm coming from such an innocent sense of I had my first orgasmic experience when I was five 
and there were absolutely no adults involved. There were no other kids involved. And somehow this area was the only area of my life that was so protected from all the other shit that went down. And it was just precious that it really started to teach my body that all the stress or the depression, the anxiety that I'm experiencing can actually be turned into something else. It can be transmuted into something else. And then later on, I kind of, frankly, stumbled upon the science behind that. And it just all clicked that, wow, this is actually what I've been doing. That now I'm, I'm studying the physics of it, the biology of it, the chemistry of it, that how what you are doing sexually and energetically through breath work and through somatic body work is mm -hmm. actually changing your physiology, your biology, your neurochemistry. And sex is very heavily linked with that because the same way and for me, sexuality doesn't necessarily mean intercourse. It doesn't necessarily mean it has a sexual outlet. That's why right. I like the term orgasmic experience because you can have orgasms or like orgasm-like experiences in other energy centers or through other areas of your life. Like when you're really into music or food mm -hmm. or art or like just something really hits you, then you can have this heart-opening experience or this mind-opening experience. And we can take that to absolutely orgasmic levels where you'd live in this almost permanent bliss that builds and builds and builds. And it doesn't just have that little release, like when we're chasing orgasms, but it has this long lasting biochemical happiness hormone experience that coming from a background of 20 years of depression and 25 years of sometimes debilitating anxiety, it was really such a thing for me that um, developed in a very pure, very natural way. And now I'm kind of decoding what I've been doing so that I'm able to teach it to other people that it's and really sure. not rocket science. This is something that your body is really capable of. And um, all the other shit that happened, I was kind of doing it to myself as well, that I had such a low self-esteem, such a, a horrible body image that I did not allow myself to enjoy my body. And ever since, like a switch flicked in my mind, and it's very heavily linked with sexuality for me, but I just learned how to generate different chemicals in my body, different hormones in my mind. So that I wake up and I go to bed every day feeling proud, feeling happy. You know, I still have the occasional shit moments. Sure. But it's the overall quality of my life is profoundly different than what I got used to. What can uh, listeners, somebody like me or, you know, anybody else who's listening to this, uh, who are new to this and want to give it a try, what are some like... I don't know what you would call them, exercises, uh, meditations. Um, what are some things that we can do to kind of open our world to this, to sit down and, and start that process of kind of, um, you know, changing our thinking and changing uh, the way that, you know, we kind of go about 
living our lives to try to bring more of that energy forward? I think for me, I mean, I, I call them practices or journeys, maybe because even the word meditation is okay. like used for, you know, it's it's a meditative practice for sure. Sure. Because a, for me, the, the very definition of a meditative practice is that it's um, at a brainwave state, alpha, theta, delta, sometimes you can mix in delta, where you just feel peaceful, calm, when you have this zen state those are all meditative states and at some point you get to mm-hmm. that like you can have those those very angry orgasms like those that angry wank when you just want to get to it finally you just want to have that release now that's not a happy For me, it's stress exactly <laughs> that's not a happy state to be in that's like a friend of mine calls it a genital sneeze like yeah that's- oh my gosh that's exactly what it is that's, that's exactly, amazing exactly, yeah and that's not the state that you're looking for for sure so first uh-huh. off I, th- I think what what changed for me the most or what what was very useful for me is to be super honest about actually what I think about my body how I look at my body I loved sexuality itself so I never had an issue with um giving love to my body but that didn't mean that I was fully accepting myself I was ridiculously judgmental and the body itself does not have a linear language it it cannot speak to you the way that your mind can actually talk to your body your body's way of communicating with you is through feelings and sensations so you can say almost anything that you want to say and if your body doesn't agree it's very easy to counteract it. It's very easy to shut down your body's signals where you're, you're really trying to communicate that um, it's not, that, not just that you don't feel happy or that you're not fully satisfied or that you, could, you would really like to change things around, but that you might be judgmental. And all of that registers in your body. Every single thought form, feeling, word, sound, everything that you look at, everything that you take in, at the base level is just vibration. And it has a frequency, it has an amplitude, it has different characteristics, but it all comes down to the same material expressing itself in different forms. So those are just messages. That's just raw information. If half of your information is saying to yourself through affirmations or whatever, just post-it notes on your mirror that I'm beautiful, I like myself, I'm happy, I'm rich, I'm affluent, I'm abundant. But the other part of you keeps saying, maybe with just feeling sensations, maybe with just a, a hit in the stomach or the way that you carry your body around you, like your shoulders are always slammed or your your eyes are always tired or your mm-hmm. back hurts, then that's your body's signal that I don't believe you. You can tell me whatever you want, but I'm actually not happy. I'm not satisfied. And it means that because your sexual center is your emotional center as well, energetically, If your emotional life is not happy, your sexual life is not going to be happy. You're not going to feel comfortable sharing yourself with another being. 
you're you're going to feel very shy or anxious to express what you want, ask for what you want, even think about your desires, what you actually would like to have. And you just go into situations and you choose partners that are exactly matching the way you look at yourself. So if you have this modeled view of some days I like myself, some parts I really hate, then you're going to get the partner who reflects exactly how you accept yourself, how you look at yourself. So for me to start was to get really, really clear on actually how I feel about myself, what I think about myself. And then from then on, it's the the, the tips and tricks part that uh, there are certain breathing techniques or there's that's why I'm calling them journeys because they are like guided meditations but you just memorize the steps and then you guide your breath through different parts of your body different Mm. parts of your anatomy which means that you are triggering different energy centers you're using different qualities of energy so if you want to be a bit more creative you link energy centers that are linked to self-expression or creativity or when you want to open your heart and you just merge energies from those two centers, you breathe in and out of certain energy centers and uh, you can literally recharge your body with energy. But if your starting point is the feeling of desperation, neediness, longing, loneliness, then you're not going to really get far because it's always going to be a half-hearted result. So the first thing is emotional work. Get your emotions sorted. And figure out like who you are when it comes to your body, when it comes to your emotions and what you want, both how you want to feel about yourself and what you want to like call in for a partner, correct? Yeah, yeah. If, If you think about it, that some people are not even comfortable looking at themselves in the mirror like full body naked or like really, really Mm. close up when you're looking at like how your skin looks, how your eyes look, how your hair looks, how your thighs, hips, all that business. Some people have never even looked at their private parts or they've never looked at it really close for a really long time. They've never actually experienced how your partner might be viewing you from that angle. Get that mirror out. (laughs) Exactly. Um, even if you're, you've made your way through the mirror work, then, then, then comes the second part that, okay, here's a person that you are attracted to that is attracted to you and they are really, really physically close to you. Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel at ease? Do you feel playful? Do you feel like you can say whatever you want and they can say whatever you want? Do you feel safe that they're not going to hurt you? Do you Mm -hmm. feel comfortable? Do you respect them enough that you do not have the intention to hurt them? Or is your body harboring some kind of traumatic muscle memory that kind of compels you to pull away from intimacy, to push other people away, to instigate drama, to create conflict, to have these little sarcastic jabs at people or take everything as criticism so that's that's the level of truth and intimacy well the the level of honesty and and integrity that you can develop with your body that am i really comfortable being in this body that i'm in fascinating and that 
uh, you do somatic work as well, right? Um, talk to me a little bit about that and how that plays in here. Because you're talking about like, you know, uh, the body holding trauma, which I yeah. know is what a big part of that somatic work is. Yeah. I've discovered it through my own body that um, if some parts of me are not fully relaxed, I'm going to project it and my mind is going to create stories out of it and I'm going to justify that, oh, I'm doing this because he looked at me that way or he made that comment or whatever. But all of it is actually coming from me, me not feeling safe, heard, seen, respected, not feeling loved, not knowing how to accept love. When I'm in the presence of love, I don't feel worthy of it. So all that is like raw data stored in your muscle memory. A lot of our, I mean, I, I look at time in a parallel sense. So when people say past lives or future lives, I look at it from a more morphogenetic point of view where all time exists at the same place at the same time. So your selves, your parallel selves are communicating with each other through just a different angular rotation of particles, just different big physics terms. And uh, so it might be that your muscle memory through your DNA template is bringing information from lives that you don't even remember, but your mm -hmm. body is carrying something from your genetic line I have a friend whose father worked in um, the army. He was kind of dragged into a, a Nazi Germany youth army. And he says that he is ridiculously afraid that he is going to hurt women because he just has that killer gene in him. Mm. So the same way as animals can inherit certain characteristics or traits from their ancestors, we are inheriting memories, information, genetically through our DNA that you might not have the explanation for. So you're just characterizing yourself. You, you've given yourself a character description and your mind, your energetically, your body creates situations where you get to play yourself out for that character, where you get to experience yourself as that role. So if somewhere deep down inside your body believes that you are angry, that you're sad, that you're lonely, abandoned, mistreated, you always give more and never get enough, you can never find the right matching partner, there's always some miscommunication, there's always drama, then they might come from periods that you don't even remember. Or <laughs> what I'm looking at now really, really heavily is birth trauma and prenatal trauma. Because you, if you were in, if you were born in a hospital setting, especially in the US, then you were born through very inhumane practices that are normalized and neutralized in uh, big pharma. But my God, they are terrifying to little baby bodies. Well, and more women die in the U.S. in childbirth than in any other country as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really rough on the female body too. Yes, and they can cause all sorts of – right now I have a client who's had a C-section, and I just told him, told her she, she just had a baby, I think it was nine months ago or eight months ago, something like that, 
and she still has some prenatal depression, uh, postnatal depression. And I said to her that how a C-section affects the body is that you are not able to naturally produce bonding hormones because the, the natural process is interrupted. So your body is missing out on the oxytocin release that gets released when your body actually pushes that baby out through the natural pathways. So physiologically, your body believes that that baby has never been born. You lost a baby and that causes the depression, that causes the grieving process. So even down to that level, and if, if you look at the consciousness of a baby body or a cellular body, you've, you went through near-death experiences so many times by the time you were born that it's a miracle that we even remember how to love, that we even want to connect with each other, that we even still have this internal inclination to be close to each other because our own parents and the humans out there have hurt us so many times by day one that um, it's, it's fascinating that, to me, it's fascinating that um, releasing that trauma even remembering that trauma or or bringing up the emotional memory of it. You don't have to remember the situation itself, but just bringing up the emotional memory of it. Like if, if you have um, if you have a pattern of never finding home, never feeling like you have a home, always constantly moving from place to place, or feeling like you always have to do everything all by yourself, you're not supported, you're not safe, or that you're actively rejected, you always live in toxic environments or hostile environments. Those can all be retraced to prenatal and birth trauma, where at different parts of the um, chemical process were somehow interrupted, or or your mother had the slightest thought that she might not want to have a baby, so she chemically made her womb into a hostile environment and did not allow you to fully feel at home in her body. It's that level of depth. And I I mean, you know, I'm, I'm still at an early stage of discovering just how much the body is storing in information. And uh, it's, it's beautiful for me that, um, you know, when I, I wanted to be a filmmaker, it was all about the mind. It was all about stories. It was all about fantasy. And I realized that in my private life, I've actually been a much more tactile person. And I'm, I'm a kinesthetic communicator. I do everything. I, I talk through my body. I exist through my body. And I found real peace and purpose in switching everything around and not chasing something that my mind wanted to do, but actually discovering that my body actually feels really traumatized and I will probably not be happy or satisfied with any achievement until my body says that I feel at peace, I feel safe, I feel okay. So that's that's what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm still in the middle of it. You know, I'm still clearing my own stuff out. Yeah, it can be a long process too. Trauma is rooted deep, as you said. Um, what about, so where do you start? You said you start off with 
kind of talking through and being really honest with yourself about where you are emotionally, where you're at with your body. When it comes to the breathing, like what does that look like? There are certain different breathing techniques. The um, the one that I I I love the most is um, it's through morphogenetic physics and chemotic science. So I've I've learned all this kind of um, scientific background from that paradigm, from that scientific spiritual paradigm. That um, in the female body and in the male body. Regardless of gender, um, regardless of um, sexuality, regardless of chosen gender, your birth gender, your body gender has energetic centers around your genitals. And the very center point is in a female body, it's the perineum, and the male body is the prostate. So even if mm-hmm. you start breathing into that point, you start generating sexual energy, even in non-sexual settings. That energy, that frequency of energy is the very energy that creates life itself. It's much more, it's, it's a very different kind of energy, much more potent energy than your heart's energy. Everybody is all about opening your heart, open your mind, be creative. Your bodily, physical frequencies are the only frequencies that can create life, that can breathe life into matter. So even just realizing, first of all, that your genital area is a very sophisticated um, muscle complex, start breathing into different parts of your genitals. And it sounds really weird. It's like, no, you're still breathing into your lungs physically, but energetically, you're putting your attention on a certain part of your body, which means your blood vessels are going to dilate your, your right. energy, your focus is just going to produce a, a little sensation of tingling or warmth mm-hmm. or something. Your body is generating frequencies, generating energy. So if you start breathing into your perineum, which is the soft spot between your vagina and your anus, Or in a male body, if you start breathing into your prostate, which is inside your body. So males Mm -hmm. usually don't even think about prostate as (laughs) as a part of sex or as a part of their genitals because it's all about the outer Mm -hmm. characteristics. There are points inside your body that if you start exciting, they start communicating with you. So just exploring that. If, If you start exploring that, your genitals have a left side and a right side. You can move them. You can contract your muscles on different sides differently. You can contract muscles a little bit further up, a little bit further down along the pelvic floor. Just start exploring what it feels like and coordinate that with breath. That's the, the, the um, when, when we say breath work, it's like there are certain different types of breath work. Some are very energizing, like breath of fire and all that business, everything that Wim Hof does. And some are like really calming, like these yin yoga stuff that are just all based on how you coordinate your breath, your heartbeat, your muscle movement. It's all about harmony. It's all about bringing your body into a state of vibrational harmony where you are much more peaceful and coherent than in our 
day-to-day life because we're living the stressful life that we're living. So it's really not such a big deal, but we don't actually do it on a daily basis. Our natural way of breathing is usually very shallow. Our natural way of holding our bodies is usually full of some kind of muscle tension. So if you just relax your body and consciously start breathing, it's really not about the specific technique because there are so many different teachings, so many different ways and methods and tips and tricks out there and everybody is swearing on their own. The main point of all of them is to understand how your body works and to have a a sense of control over your body, not in a, a an overlooking controlling way but in a in a way that uh, you are mindful you are very conscious of how your body works what it does because we breathe something like 80,000 times a year something like that like something ridiculous amount (laughs) and we are so unconscious about it that um, it's like if you grew up on junk food now your body really thinks and really remembers that junk food is nutrition so when you try to eat healthy your body starts to reject it at first because you're just not used to it the same way if you're used to hectic breathing if you're used to constantly having coffee highs and deep deep lows then your body is so confused that when you start sitting down meditating, breathing, being a bit more conscious, trying to calm your mind. You might not even make it through five minutes because you just want to check your phone and get out of there and just distract yourself with something because your body actually might be in a lot of pain or you might have a lot of boredom, which is just a sign that you are lacking internal passion. So For me, breathing is just a way of checking in with my body that actually, how are you feeling today? I think that's such a good point Um, because, you know, you were talking about this idea of moving around, running from place to place. And, you know, I even joked earlier on in our conversation that, you know, uh, orgasms for me, if I'm stressed out, I just know that I'll feel better if I have one. So it's not about like necessarily diving deep into like, indulging in that feeling it's more of like a release right and it's like okay let's like get in get out get back to work (laughs) um but this idea what I've been working on recently and what it sounds like uh you're talking about is I've been working on just bringing awareness like to my genitals when I'm breathing because that actually can contribute becoming actually turned on so it's not just a release but it's also like something that I'm feeling fully I guess yeah just bringing awareness to that space because I feel like so frequently you know whether we're solo or whether we're with a partner the focus is that release rather than indulging in those feelings yeah and um, that release if if you really I mean first try it with masturbation Because it's a lot easier to just focus on one body than two bodies. But just have a little exploration that um, usually when people get closer and closer to an orgasm, you contract your muscles more and Mm -hmm. more 
you just get into this tense state. Maybe it's not even just your pelvic muscles. Maybe you like really flexing your toes, your your fingers, your shoulders, your face, something. Or you hold your breath. Yeah, I yes. that I hold yes. my breath. <laughs> exactly. But your body is not relaxed. It's really looking for that um you're you're consciously agitating yourself so that you can get that release which means you're not actually present with your body your body might not want to have this experience right now or just might not be ready for it which is usually the case when women cannot have an orgasm or they they take a very very long time to get turned on or they even reject a partner or just don't even want to be intimate with someone that uh, they just haven't spent the time with their bodies to understand that um, your body might be holding so much negative memories, bad memories, and it might be from your own experience that you've forced your way through to orgasms or that you've been physically violated, emotionally violated by someone or by yourself because you can do horrible things to yourself as well. And your body is trying to communicate that, nope, I'm not ready for this. And then at that point, it doesn't matter how much your mind wants to push through, how much you're saying to yourself that, but I'm in love, but just, just he, she just looks amazing. I just love them so much. And I'm mentally, I'm so turned on and we've had this amazing foreplay and, and we've, been super at each other and and we've done everything that should be done but my body just somehow does not want to get there we've been pounding at each other for like 30 minutes now and it's just not happening so first just explore through masturbation that how are you actually pleasuring yourself what do you actually do to get to a state where you feel pleasure is it actually pleasurable or are you just really angry and want to get over the whole thing right because <laughs> that, that happens sometimes and then once you discover something that you're not happy with you can it it genuinely it takes a lot of time and it might put people off because just with any skill any talent, if you don't practice, you run into habits that are usually not coming from you. You've learned those habits from other people. A lot of people are watching porn and learn their habits from that. A lot of people are just in the habit of how they learned how to masturbate when they were 12 or 13. Yep, yep. And you were so emotionally immature at that point that you haven't even updated the way that you touch your body since then? What if you use your non-dominant hand? What if you just stroke differently? What if you position yourself differently? What if you are at a different location? What if I'm personally fascinated with nature? Like having an orgasm in nature is just, I mean, not, not in a, um, an exhibitionist way. I don't enjoy being watched by other people. I choose places where I'm completely safe and just very secluded. But when 
you look at open space, when you look at the open sky, when you feel the breeze on your naked skin, when you feel sunshine on your skin, those are completely different states from let's have all the lights off, let's not talk to anybody, let's not make any noise because the neighbors, like all those states of not feeling actually free, not actually allowing yourself to express it through voice, movement, how your body is feeling right now. The, to me, you are robbing yourself from the pleasure of what this body is actually capable of if you on some level believe that what you're doing right now is not okay or you don't have the time or the kids are waking up or anything that is making your body feel uneasy. What would you say, I just thought just occurred to me, um, if somebody is comfortable with partnered sex, but they maybe are less comfortable with the masturbation component, where would you start with that? I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with that other than, you know, uh, masturbation is a wonderful, beautiful thing. (laughs) I would say, I mean, there are certain... They they branded it as orgasmic meditation, but if you actually look up orgasmic meditation, it's, it's they have rules and regulations. It's like wow, this is just so far away for me from intimacy. Intense. But but there are there are practices when um, even with a partner. So you can if if you are with a partner, but you really just don't feel comfortable touching yourself, you can start it with a partner that you pleasure each other without the intention of actually reaching an orgasm. So Mm -hmm. you just excite each other's bodies. You massage each other's bodies in a sexual way, in a deeply sexual way, without wanting to have an orgasm, without looking for that climax, without chasing it. Mm -hmm. So just spending time with elongating the pleasure and, and, getting more and more deeper and deeper into the sensation. I had a boyfriend who is, he was, he was very, very emotionally insensitive and physically somehow very sensitive. So there were certain things that I did to him when I, I was touching him in certain ways that he was just, this is too much. No, I, I don't want this. This is too much. And as much as I understood that it it might have like a physical jolt for him. He just wouldn't allow himself to have longer periods of pleasure. You hear that from, um, I think, women a lot who hear about that G-spot orgasm and then, you know, hit this moment where they're like, oh, I feel like I'm going to pee. Stop, 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 stop. And they stop yeah. their partner um, or they stop themselves, you know, from continuing on because – it's such an overwhelming sensation, but like the payoff, if you push through that is pretty incredible. Exactly. But you know, you don't have to force your body to do anything that you're not comfortable with. If you feel really overly sensitive, it just means that first of all, it's, it's like, um, if you touch the, um, the inside of your hands or your palms, or if you touch the outside of your palms very, very softly, you can feel that the inside of your palm feels like slightly more tingly, they have slightly more sensations. You have the same nerve endings as you have in your palms in your genital area. You're very sensitive to light touch. So when we feel like something is just way too much, just 
try it with less pressure. Try it with a, a lot of lubrication, just a very soft, very, very gentle touch. And it will give you a very different sensation. It will not be overwhelming, but you will feel a different kind of physical excitation, different kind of pleasure. So you can experiment with it that you don't have to push sensations that you feel uncomfortable with. You can still keep exciting the same area or doing similar things, just with different strokes, different pressure, different methods, different touch, and feel into what actually feels comfortable. Yeah, that's a really, really good tip, actually. Um, Just change it up a little bit. Yeah. Until you feel comfortable again. Yeah. Yeah. And, And just allow yourself to keep going. You know, you don't have to, um, you don't have to stop start. You can have a flow. You can have um, um, a different pace, different rhythm, dance with the experience. It doesn't just have to have a beginning, middle and end. You know, it doesn't have to be a linear progression. You can slow down, you can speed up, slow down, and you can have a whole experience out of your pleasure and your orgasmic experience. It doesn't need to be linear, you know. Uh, I I really encourage that too. I'm a big uh, fan of like edge play. Yeah, just kind of oh, like yeah. going back and forth and uh, feeling that like cycle of what it feels like to be turned on a little bit and like what it feels like to kind of reach that peak and then kind of start over again and and kind of feel what that feels like. Um, so I am 100% behind that. Um, well, do you have any resources that you want to provide to people? Uh, where can people find you? Where can people learn more about you and the work that you do? Absolutely. Well, b- before that, I'm like, just, just try so that we link two things together. Try edging, even in a female body, male body, it doesn't matter. When you just get to that state, when you just start to feel the very first electric shock of an orgasm Mm -hmm. and try to breathe that into your perineum or your prostate try to Mm, sink that energy into that spot now that's a a very different kind of experience that can that can literally excite your entire body in an instant just ah gorgeous anywho so my website right now is uh, masterofstory.net because my Business is called Master of Story because you're mastering your own story. I do story-based coaching. I do everything based around narrative, personal narrative. So if you go to masterofstory.net, you can find my social website as well. I exist on Instagram as directed by Alex Mill and on YouTube as Master of Story. So once you find the website, you can find everything else from there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I um, just love learning about things that I don't know anything about. Uh, and so just uh, hearing you explain, you know, the work that you do and especially how it relates to storytelling and personal narrative um, is just really fascinating. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, this is Alex. Check her out at Master of Story. And this has been Wine, Dine, and 69. I'm your host, Rachel Dalton, and let's keep talking.